This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, Philadelphia. Welcome to the Foo Philly edition of Rico Bronia. Obviously, we credit that term Foo Philly to my radio partner, Craig Carton, who created it many, many years ago. But the sentiment is not new. The sentiment has lived in all of us for a very long time. As soon as we learned about sports, we learned about hating Philadelphia. And in honor of the New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Divisional Playoff matchup on Saturday night, we decided to whip out all our hatred for Philadelphia, specifically the Phillies, with this Foo Philly edition of Rico Bronia. So, no more messing around. Let's get right into it. Pete, what do you hate most about Philadelphia? I mean, pretty much everything. There's not one thing that I could really sit there and maybe it's because they're stinky they're dirty they're ugly i mean you name it they're everything and more i just can't stand philadelphia their food sucks <laughs> everything is terrible <laughs> in philadelphia yeah i mean the, the number one thing that sucks is obviously the phillies um i can't stand them i can't stand their jerseys i can't stand their colors i do have respect for the fanatic like that's the one thing about the phillies i I really don't want a bad mouth. I respect the Philly fanatic. Even the team name Phillies. I mean, can you be more original than that? You know, the Philadelphia Phillies. It's like the Houston Texans. What a dumb name. You can't come up with a freaking name. You go with Phillies. Plus, you all know the Philadelphia Athletics were a lot better anyway. But here's my one compliment about Philadelphia. All the way back, and it was a long time ago, it was August 9th, 1995. Uh, the New York Mets played a game against the Philadelphia Phillies at the vet, obviously. And that was the first time my dad ever took me to Philadelphia. Now, I'm sure there was some kind of family trip that we did to check out like the Liberty Bell or something historic, because I do love American history. But my first memory of Philadelphia was on that August afternoon in 1995 when we watched the New York Mets shut out the Philadelphia Phillies by a score of 4 nothing, And here's what's crazy. As much as I can't stand Philadelphia, and yes, Pete, I have records of this, I have been to 37 baseball games in Philadelphia, which besides Yankee Stadium, besides City Field Shea Stadium, and besides Oriole Park, because I lived in Maryland for a few years, the Vet slash Citizens Bank Park is the visiting stadium I have been to the most. So, Philly, I've given you a lot of my money going to your ballpark. I, that's outrageous. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I stepped foot in there once. Um, and listen, the field's not that bad, but I'd never want to go back ever again. You went there 37 times? 
Yeah, I looked it up because, and really the reason I have these records, I, I got to give my dad a lot of credit. My dad used to keep very careful records of every game he went to. And then I started scoring baseball games at a really young age. And one of the cool things about scoring games is it's like a running diary of your life, you know, because if I have all my scorecards from 1995, which I do, or 1997, 1998, based on the handwriting, based on if I'm at the game or not, like you, you learn things or you remember things that you otherwise wouldn't have remembered. The reason I know that I went to 37 games is because I scored all of them. So I've got the scorecards and I'm able to count them and say, yeah, I went to those games. I'll give you this one real factoid. At the vet, the Mets were eight and three when I watched them play. At Citizens Bank Park, it's been a little bit different. They're seven and 10. And in all my years going to Philadelphia, I never really had that bad of an experience with the fans. I got to be honest. And, And look at the amount of games I've gone to. Now, granted, I started going when I was 12 years old. I've been there as recently as opening day 2021 after the pandemic. That was my first game back from the pandemic when the Mets had their original series postponed in Washington. They opened the season on like a Monday night in Philadelphia against the Phillies. And all my years going there, yeah, there's been banter. Yeah, there's been some kind of trash talk. But I never felt like my life was in jeopardy. I never had that bad of an experience at the Vet or Citizens Bank Park. Did you have a bad experience there, Pete? So I guess um, when I was younger, more youthful, I was a bit of a troll at times. So uh, we went on. No. I went. <laughs> I went on. I. It was cool. It was a cool little three park mini tour. Buddy of mine, his girlfriend, now his wife, and his brother. We visited Baltimore, which was amazing. We went to Washington D.C., which was awesome, and then we finished up with Philly. I had the bright idea of go. It was like a Phillies Giants game. I had the bright idea of wearing my, my Billy Wagner Mets jersey to a non-Met <laughs> game. And we barely got out of the car, and the verbal diarrhea was spewed my way. Nothing ever got too physical. Now, listen, I'm a big guy, so maybe people didn't want to mess with me. I know. I think I actually heard Craig talk about it uh, not too long ago. Like, depending on your looks, you know, if you don't look yeah. very appealing, you're not going to get messed with. So, big guy. Uh, I'm not very attractive, so maybe people didn't care as much, so I didn't get a lot of hate. But one guy actually did come up to me, and he gave me a hug. He goes, you're an idiot, but I love you. You, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I love you. And that was probably the most physical. But the whole game, like I'd get up, I'd go walk around, and people would just spew nonsense my way. And I, I deserved it. But I wasn't rude. I didn't root against Philadelphia. I didn't go crazy hard for, for the Giants either. I was respectful. I just happened to be wearing a Billy Wagner jersey. You are the kind of fan, though, that would piss us all off. I mean, you're at a (laughs) non-Met game, and you're sporting a Billy Wagner jersey. I remember my dad. My dad's favorite player, so this is genuine, of all time, is Tug McGraw. Uh, Obviously, an era much before us, but you can understand. Tug McGraw was certainly a big part of the 69 team, 73 team, and he wore the number 45. Tug McGraw is one of those guys that's also beloved by Philly fans. Tug was on the mound when they won the 1980 World Series. And so there is a very short list of Met players and Philly players who play for both teams who are loved almost equally by both fan bases. In fact, the list is two. There's only two guys that I think really make that list, Tug McGraw and Lenny Dykstra. That's it. You know, Nails, obviously a big part of the 86 team. And then for the Philly fans, the 93 team. 
which was a beloved team, even though they fell short and lost the World Series. So Lenny Dykstra, and forget about anything he tweets about or everything that's happened with him. Like, as a baseball player, loved by Met fans, loved by Philly fans, same thing with Tug McGraw. So the Met jersey my dad loves to wear the most is Tug McGraw. It makes perfect sense. And so whenever we would go to Philadelphia, he would wear that more so than ever because he knew – Hey, how could they even be that mad at me? I'm wearing the jersey of a guy that they love. I'll never forget. This must have been, I'd say like 06, 07, kind of in that range. And me, it definitely was 07 because me and my dad did a baseball road trip in 07, in which we went to an entire series at Citizens Bank Park. Like it was a four-game series. We went to every game and then went back in August. Like there was a lot of games. He's going up to go to the bathroom and some guy just starts screaming at him, looking at him saying, Pedro Martinez sucks. And my dad's like, what, what is this guy talking about? Hey, you heard me. Pedro Martinez bleeping blows. My dad is confused. I start to pick up on it. I said, this schmuck sees 45 and thinks my dad's wearing a Pedro jersey. So I had to chime in. You know, I had to say something. So I said, hey, buddy. And I wasn't like douchey about it. I just, hey, buddy, he's wearing a Tug McGraw jersey. Don't you people like him? And the guy's like, oh, all right. Well, Pedro still blows. <laughs> At that point, I'm laughing. But this schmuck was so confused he saw the 45 he's like ah guy must be rooting for pedro martinez i mean the trash talk still applied because pedro was on our team so you want to tell us about how much he sucked that's completely fine you would think though that he'd know his history a little bit more the historical yeah, moment tug mcgraw one of the greatest listen again like you said now there was one other name that i would throw in there now i don't remember how long he was on the phillies for was it roger mcdowell on the phillies for a while too Roger McDowell was, so here's the list of guys that played for both teams, all right? And if somebody jumps out at you where you say, oh, that one works, stop me. Roger McDowell's on the list. Bobby Abreu is on the list. Do, do you like Bobby Abreu, Pete? No, he sucks. Can't stand <laughs> that guy. What a Dude, he's a freaking Met killer. Hate him. Yeah, and then he came to the Mets, and he was pretty much washed up. Uh, you mentioned Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner wasn't a Philly for a very long period of time. I don't even have warm feelings towards him as a Met, uh, honestly. So Billy Wagner was good for both teams, no doubt. But I don't think he made a mark on both teams long enough to be really loved by both fan bases. Uh, do you like Zach Wheeler? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it's funny. If Zach was on the 15 team, and he was, but he didn't pitch, obviously. He missed time. But if Zach Wheeler was a part of that team, that got to a World Series. And let's say they won the World Series. And we still would have been pissed off that the Wilpons let him go. I think our view of him would be very different. Like, I don't hate Zach Wheeler, but I also don't celebrate Zach Wheeler because there wasn't enough good moments or memories with Zach as a Met for me to say, oh, I'm always going to love him. Like, I'll always love DeGrom. Wheeler, he just comes up a little bit short. i give you one that I think was liked by both teams. Todd Pratt. Todd Pratt obviously hit... One of the biggest home runs in the history of the Mets. Uh, the game-winning home run against the Diamondbacks to win that divisional series in 99. And he played a couple of years for the Phillies, but he's a backup catcher. So it's tough to really 
look past. I mean, that, that's it. Like he had a big moment in Met history. But I don't think he's beloved anywhere. In fact, most baseball fans wouldn't know him if they knocked him over. Uh, Roger McDowell, you mentioned. That's fair. Bud Harrelson at the end of his career was a Philly, but we can't count that. Jerry Kuzman at the end of his career was a Philly. We can't count that. Sid Fernandez played for the Phillies? Apparently he did for a very short period of time. Wally Backman was a Philly. Rico Bronio was a Philly. But we oh, try to ignore that. We, yeah. Even I think Rico admitted to us he thinks of himself more as a Philly than a Met. Juan Samuel, we still curse out. Noah Syndergaard's a douche. Greg Jeffries. Yeah. <laughs> he was a good Philadelphia Philly, too. He just he never panned out for us. You know, we think of him just being a crying little baby with the Mets. That's basically his reputation. Uh, and then you got Pedro. Pedro Martinez, who, believe it or not, it's it's sort of, I think it's forgotten now. Pedro Martinez started game six of the World Series for the Philadelphia Phillies against the New York Yankees. Truth is, no one thinks of Pedro as a Philly or a Met, but he did end his career with the Philadelphia Phillies. Jay Bruce played for both teams. Marlon Anderson had some good moments for us, but it's not its not a long list. And I don't want to leave out a guy like Richie Ashburn, who early on uh, in the Mets history played for the Mets very briefly. So there's a few you could kind of find in the 60s, but Dallas we don't Green. have like this. Excuse me? Dallas Green. I know he was a manager, but still. <laughs> yeah, no, as a manager, sure. You know, as an executive and then a manager with the Mets, he sucked for us. I mean, all of he course. did was burn out our young pitching. That's basically his reputation. How typical is that? Most of the people that came our way sucked for the Mets. It's amazing. In fairness, <laughs> though, they also got a little bit of that, too. I mean, they had Kuzman at the end. They had Harrelson at the end. They had Sid Fernandez at the end. So it kind of worked both ways. But I, I would definitely say after kind of going through this list, it's Lenny Dykstra and it's Tug McGraw. That's really I don't think anyone else is even that close to qualifying as like a beloved Met and a beloved Philly. Well, I, 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 I agree. And I mean, there's still a lot of hate though for all these guys that we're about to go through. Cause I mean, you talk about just the rivalry. I was going through some names. I don't know why, but everybody that pops up, like I, I don't like their face. I don't like this. There's, there's always something about these, the Phillies that there's something that bothers me about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay. So let's address this. We all have our least favorite Philly of all time. And if you're making a list of your four least favorite Phillies of all time or your eight least favorite Phillies of all time, does it not all come back to the same kind of team? Because there weren't that many guys in the ninth, like John Crook and Darren Dalton and even Kurt Schilling. And Lenny Dykstra when he was there, and Dave Hollins, and Kevin Stocker, and Pete Incavilia, and Jim Eisenreich. Like, I'm going through all your mid to late 90s Phillies. None of them really pissed me off that much. Like, my list of guys I hate 
are all from that same team in 06 and 07 and 08. Now, you're missing are you people. with me on this or no? Uh, you're missing people. What about oh. the Von Hazes of the world? Like the, uh, the, the late 80s team. Like, again, you're talking about – Kruk was there. I I didn't like Kruk so much. I hated Kirk Schilling when he when he was with the team. Uh, v- again, I don't know why, but Von Hayes is a guy that sticks out to me that just always aggravated me. Now I don't think they were at the time. Were they in the same division? No, they kind of realigned a little bit later. No, we on. were always in the same division. We were always the Mets and the Phillies have shared a division the entire history of divisional alignment. The problem was, and I mean, it's not necessarily a problem. I'm describing it this way is that they were never really good at the same time. Like the Mets and the Phillies have been two ships passing in the night with the exception of the rivalry of 07-08. Outside of that, you know, you, you, you mentioned those 90s teams. The Phillies were mostly bad in the 1990s. The only year they were good was that year they won the pennant in 1993. But remember, the year before that, they finished in last place. And the year after that, they were pretty close to last place. Yeah, but they were always a nuisance. So that's the thing is, I you you talk about a couple teams I used to see all the time. It was always I tend to always go to Pirates games. Don't ask me why, but it was either <laughs> Pirates or Phillies games, and they'd always just be a nag to me all the time. They'd always they'd make it tough. They'd always make it rough. Again, I saw Kurt Schilling enough as a Philly to bother me. I was happy with yeah. that. Put that way. So my first real memory of understanding baseball on a day to day basis was 1992. So that that's really the first year where, you know, I'm scoring games, I'm understanding games, I'm kind of getting it. And the Phillies weren't good that year. The Mets weren't good that year. 1993, and this is going to sound, I guess, sort of crazy. By 1993, when the Philadelphia Phillies shockingly won 97 games, I was rooting for them in the NLCS. And at that point, we didn't have any hatred towards the Braves. They played them in the NLCS, the Braves. But here's why I wasn't rooting for the Braves as a, a simple 10-year-old. The Braves had won the pennant in 1992 and 1991. So the Braves had been to the last two World Series. I was just sick of them. I wasn't even a division rival of the Atlanta Braves. So as a 10-year-old, I didn't hate the 93 Phillies. I sort of rooted for them because at that point, I didn't have any history with them. 1994, they go back to sucking. 95, they suck. 96, they suck. 97, Mets start to turn it around. Phillies still suck. I started to dislike them a little bit in 1999 because if you recall, and I recall because I was there, I went with my dad for a weekend series in September as the Mets were collapsing. The Mets had a 1999 collapse before they, they fixed it and obviously won the last three games against the Pirates, forced the one-game playoff, beat the Reds, and we all know what happened. Got to the NLCS. They lost two really close games on a Saturday and a Sunday against the Phillies at the vet. And it was brutal because the Mets had choked a year earlier in 1998. So it felt like it was happening again. And so it took me until 1999 when the Mets are playing these huge games at the vet with their playoff hopes on the line for me to actually start disliking them. Because before that, you know, they weren't, they were just another team. But that weekend, Scott Rowland, you're a douche. Mike Lieberthal, I can't stand you. Bobby Abreu, yuck. Da- Doug Glanville, pfft. and then of course Rico Bronia. You know I loved you, Rico, but you stood in the way of the train and you derailed the train. 
And then the Mets fixed themselves and made the playoffs. But I'm telling you, man, I never had an issue with them until 1999, only because they got in the way of my pennant race. No, I get it. It's it's different, I guess, when you're when when you actually have an effect. When they're not good, I get it. But something about them uh, bothered me. Again, we talk, we talk about Pat Burrell, even a guy who just constantly always found a way. You listen. The, the more you see players over and over and over, eventually they're going to have a game. They're going to find a way to beat. You're playing it enough times, they're going to find a way to beat you. And it's just it's always in an aggravating fashion. You know what I mean? Well, first of all, first of all. You mentioned a curse word in my presence, okay? We haven't gotten to him yet. We'll get to him, and that's Pat Burrell, all right? First of all, Pat Burrell was a guy who I had heard of years before he came to the major leagues, and here's why. Not because I'm anything special. Do you remember the J.D. Drew controversy with Philadelphia? The Philadelphia Phillies drafted J.D. Drew and had a contract dispute with him. It was a huge deal. Like They could not get J.D. Drew to sign. And after they didn't sign him, they ended up drafting in the first round of the 1998 draft, Pat Burrell. Most of the time, you never hear about guys when they're drafted. Nowadays, a little bit different, but especially 15, 20 years ago, unless you were the number one, number one overall pick or something special was happening, you never really heard about picks. Well, Pat Burrell was the number one overall pick by the Philadelphia Phillies. The J.D. Drew controversy was still hot in the air. And so I remember them, oh, yeah, we got Pat Burrell. He's going to be awesome. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this guy, well, I, you know, what, what's he going to be? We have no idea. And little did I know that this right-handed hitter would come back and just torture us to a level that doesn't make any sense. And it all started in 2000 when he made his major league debut with the Phillies, played 10 games against the Mets, and hit four home runs right out of the gate. Because why the hell not? And then 2001, he hits six home runs. And then in 2002, he hits seven home runs. This is against one team in a season. Four home runs, four home runs, six home runs, five home runs, five home runs. He finally started to cool off by the time the Phillies got really good. So Burrow was more of a hindrance to us in the early 2000s. But it was all said and done. He played 162 games against the Mets. What a perfect number. It's like a full regular season. He hit 42 home runs. Yeah. When I'm making that list of people I hate, Pat Burrell's up there mainly because if you look at the rest of his career and you say, okay, well, what was Pat Burrell? He wasn't that good. Like, yeah, he had home runs, but he wasn't a slugger of sluggers. He wasn't leading the league in home runs. He wasn't getting MVP votes by any stretch of the imagination. And here he was torturing us. Every, home run off Billy Wagner. Home run off this guy. Game-winning home runs. It was it would never end, Pete. No, I, I, I remember him. And again, I think what it really started me, I noticed him in some video games I played. I go, who the hell is this guy, Pat Merle? <laughs> And then I realized I did the connection. I'm like, oh, this is the guy who's been torturing us in real life too. It, it, it is amazing because you look about he wants. If I'm correct, he went to the Giants after, and he won a World Series with them. Is that is that? Am I wrong with that? I think he won. Uh, World no, you're World right. Series. He was actually on the 2010 World Champion Giants. Yeah. So I, I I remember him being a nuisance, and then I remember him being being a jerk with the Giants too, which really made me just hate him as well. It's 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 his presence was weird because you knew 
that he wasn't that good, but the Mets just couldn't find a way to figure out how to get him out. And I think that bothers you more than anything else. Yeah. And then, you know, as Burl is on that team in 2000, 2001, 2002, you saw a pretty good team developing because the Phillies won. You know, they were in pennant races, 02, 03, 04. They were kind of in that mid-80s range, and they were building something. Jimmy Rollins is coming up. Chase Utley is coming up. Shane Victorino, who was not that freaking good, but all of a sudden he shows up to the Philadelphia Phillies in 2006, and he blossoms into a really good player. Jason Worth blossoms into a really good player. And here we are with the Philly team that, look, I'm sorry, there there is no Philly team, not even the current team, that can match the hatred that we all have in our heart for those mid-2000s Philadelphia Phillies. And what really makes it difficult is that they called their shot. That's what pisses me off. And I respect it, but it pisses me off. Jimmy Rollins had no reason whatsoever to say we're the team to be, yet he did it. And that's what started this whole thing. Because when the Mets were good in 2006, the Phillies weren't a threat. They weren't even close. Like they were, they weren't even in the stratosphere of the Mets. The Mets blew past them. It's kind of like my point about the two, uh, two ships sailing through the night. You know, when the Phillies have had good years, the Mets have been terrible. When the Mets have good years, the Phillies are irrelevant. 1986, the only factor the Phillies had is that the Mets struggled in Philly to clinch as early as some people wanted them to. Other than that, they were a bump in the woods. It didn't matter. 1993, while the Phillies are winning the pennant, the Mets are the worst team maybe in their history since the 60s. Worst team money could buy. 99, 2000, as the Mets are going back to the playoffs, again, Phillies are a non-factor, but the Phillies are starting to develop something in the early 2000s. And when the Mets won the pennant in 06, we all came back in 2007 and said, okay, that was brutal, but now we have to get back to where we got tripped up. And Jimmy Rollins, who is a nice player, okay? I have respect for what Jimmy Rollins has done in his career. To me, he's nowhere close to being a Hall of Famer, okay? He's not even close. He won the MVP in 2007, but you got to ask yourself something. Was he really the MVP? I mean, seriously, the, the MVP credit I'll give Jimmy Rollins is that Jimmy called a shot because Jimmy said to all of us, we're the team to beat. And when he did it, we all laughed like, ha, team to beat. <laughs> That's adorable. What the hell's that based on? And then that guy went out and he produced. And I would never say that Jimmy Rollins produced on a Chipper Jones level because I think what Chipper Jones did to us was, you know, I don't know if that could ever be matched in terms of big moments, in terms of how consistent he was. He just killed us forever. But Jimmy Rollins makes a very strong comment about how we're the team to beat. And he was clutch against us that year in 2007. I don't think he had overall good numbers, but he came through with big hits, especially during the collapse, especially when the Phillies and really what changed things was in the summer the Mets played a big series during the week in Philadelphia, and they lost a bunch of games, including collapsing in a game in which Billy Wagner came in to try to get a six-out save, and he collapsed and ends up giving up, I think, a game-winning home run. We lose, and the Phillies start to get confidence and start to get relevance. Then they come to Shea Stadium in September, win a bunch of games, and obviously the Mets choke. And to the Phillies' credit, they took advantage of it. They had to win baseball games, and they did. But I think what's most impressive about what Jimmy Rollins did Pete, is that he called a shot. He told us we're the team to beat, and then his team, led by him, 
backed it up because none of us thought they were the team to beat in 2007 coming off of what the Mets accomplished in the regular season in 2006. Yeah, no, that sucked. Uh, and again, but you do look at the team, and no matter how much I hate them, I do have to like tip the cap. They had a legitimate squad. Again, Jimmy Rollins, did he deserve the MVP that year? I Compared to what, Prince Fielder? Compared to his own teammate, Ron Ho- Howard? I don't think so. But you go through it. I mean, I hated Chase Utley. You go through all the names that we've discussed many, many times. They were doing the right thing. They were had a good farm system. They were building a team that was going to take them deep and eventually win a World Series. No, no doubt. I'll never forget this, and I don't want to pick on a, a guy I have great respect for. And I'm not really picking on him. I guess I'm giving him respect that I remember a stupid opinion that a guy had a long time ago, and it aged so badly. So Mark Malusis, if you have downloaded Rico Bronia, I bring this up out of respect for you, because think about this. For me to remember an opinion you had on the radio that long ago and bring it up right now means it resonated. It means you did your job, even if it was the stupidest thing I had ever heard. So I want to take you back to 2006. Again, Mets are having a great year. There's a young player on the Philadelphia Phillies, and his name is Chase Utley. At this point, Chase Utley is a, is a young player. He's 27 years old. He's coming off his first real full good season in the major leagues of 2005. So we don't really have an issue with Chase Utley other than division rival. He's blossoming into a really good player. Chase Utley that year actually put together a, an incredible hitting streak. He got to 35 games. Okay. Chase Utley was coming to Shea Stadium. And Mark Malusis went on the radio and told us as Met fans that we should cheer for Chase Utley. We should root on the hit streak because it's history, because it's fun, because it's exciting. Why should we boo him? And I remember yelling at the radio saying, you know why we boo him, you son of a bitch? We boo him because he's not a Met. Now, I had no personal history at that point to Chase Utley. I just knew I wasn't going to cheer some guy because he had a hit streak going on. Like, what are we What are we talking about? Now, I don't know if uh, the great Mark Malusis remembers this opinion. He may not. But I think even he would admit it did not age well because we hate Chase Utley. And we all hate Chase Utley for a reason that I don't necessarily think is even the fairest reason to hate Chase Utley. So before we get into that, I'll explain why I hate Chase Utley. Because he was really freaking good. Because Chase Utley destroyed us. Because I could argue Chase Utley did more to back up Jimmy Rollins' words than Jimmy Rollins ever did. I hate Chase Utley because in right field at City Field to this day, when someone hooks a ball into the right field corner, I call it the Utley corner. And I call it the Utley corner because he hit the ball there more than anyone who played on the Mets. Because he took advantage of our ballpark better than anyone who played on the Mets. Chase Utley in 2009 hit seven home runs against the Mets. And he did it in 17 games. And I swear to God, half of them were in the Chase Utley corner in right field. I also hated Chase Utley because I wanted him. I wanted him on my team, that hard-nosed kind of guy, that tremendous player. And he had this cool, calm cockiness that I also couldn't stand. 
So I hated Chase Utley for the reason that we all hate great players. He stuck it up our ass over and over and over again. Now, there's another reason why Met fans hate Chase Utley, but I'm going to hand this one over to Pete because I don't have, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the same strong opinion that a lot of other Met fans have about this. So, Pete, go ahead. Why do you hate Chase Utley? So, be, be, besides the many reasons you listed, in 2015 when the Mets were making their amazing World Series run, when uh, they were playing the Dodgers and Chase Elliott was part of the Dodgers and still a douche, uh, he took <laughs> out our shortstop in Ruben Tejada and basically broke his leg, broke his ankle, right? It was an ankle or a leg, but in a dirty, dirty slide. He took out – now, listen, nowadays especially it's a dirty slide, but even back then it was over-the-top dirty. And you, I know, said it was – wasn't as dirty as we make it out to be, but in my opinion, I mean, you look at how far he went out of the way to to take out Tejada. It was over the top, and what happened with that? Now, eventually, we won the series anyway, so did it make that much of a difference? No, not really. But we didn't have payback, and that's something that always bothers me. Is he did things hard, hard nosed? That's great, but you took out a player. We need to have some sort of payback, and we couldn't even get that. Um, okay, look, it, it was a very, very hard slide into second base. And I acknowledge that. And it was very unfortunate what ended up happening to him because, you know, it sucked. And it was also a big play in the game. I think people forget that it was game two of that series. It actually led to the Dodgers tying the game, if I'm not mistaken, and then eventually taking the lead. We sort of forget that now because the Mets came back and they won game three. They won game five. They won the series. So we don't look at necessarily the play as something that turned the series the other way. Chase Utley played the game very, very hard. And I believe that if he played for us, we would have loved it. We would have said, ah, oh, we love that hard-nosed nature of Chase Utley. I think it was a very borderline play. I'm just not using that as the number one reason I hate him. Because him playing the game hard, especially at the end of his career, and trying to break up a double play, and yeah, maybe it went a little bit too far. To me, it's not a, it's not worth capital punishment. You know, I'd rather my guy in a playoff game trying to break up a doubleheader go a little bit too far than not try at all. And so I also saw Chase Utley do that his entire career, not necessarily be dirty, but take guys out at second base and play the game hard. And so... I just don't use this in this moment as the thing I hate the most about him. The thing I hate the most about him is that he kicked our ass. And, like, that's it. And, yeah, his calm douchiness is also annoying. But this isn't it to me. And that doesn't mean everybody listening should agree. I mean, I get it. You hate Chase Utley. You think he injured Ruben Tejada on purpose. That's totally fine. And I got no problem with the Mets trying to retaliate the next year. And to your point, much like when they tried to retaliate against Roger Clemens two years later, they failed in their retaliation. And that does suck. That That's annoying. That, it's like you want to get retribution. I mean, if we won the World Series, that would have been retribution itself. So the fact that we didn't actually win and then whatever else happened, that sucks. But also the other thing, too, is you make it sound like, oh, well, you know, it's a hard-nosed play. He's been doing that his whole career. Yes, he has been doing it his whole career against the Mets. And my God. 
it's a, just another nail in the coffin. Like we hate this guy. If it was anybody else, if it was a young kid, if it was a a, a freaking uh, a Matt Holiday making the slide, I, I don't know. Just name anybody else that's like a someone that doesn't normally not to say that they don't play that way, but you just don't know to be like a dirty player. I bet we wouldn't have been so hard on that. But the fact that it was Chase Utley and he had that history made it worse. I don't know if this rings a bell to a lot of people, but when the Mets played the Dodgers a few days later in game five of that series, we all remember obviously Jacob DeGrom giving up the two runs in the first inning and then somehow battling through it and giving them the six quality innings that he did. We remember the brilliant pitching performance of Jay Riss Familia getting a six-out save and the Mets winning that game. When Jairus Familia started the ninth inning, the leadoff hitter was a pinch hitter, Chase Utley. And this still scares me. There's moments that went well but still scare me, thinking about all these years later. Chase Utley hit a ball to start the ninth inning in a 3-2 to game that off the bat I could have sworn was going into the seats for a game-tying home run. And that would have been the ultimate F you to all of us, that an aging Chase Utley in a series in which there's controversy circled around him, he comes up in the ninth inning, and it's a game-tying home run. And luckily, it did not go out. It died in right field. It was caught for the first out. Jairus would get the next two outs. We'd win the game. But when I think back to that game and all the stuff from game five, to me, pound for pound, one of the greatest Met games of all time. I'd argue that with anybody. Winner take all, pitching, the drama, everything that goes along with it. I thought Chase Huntley hit a game tie home run. I swear. I thought it was gone, but he's not the only one from that mid 2000s era. You also have Jason Worth. And Jason Worth was another guy who, good player. Okay. And then he goes on to plays for the Nationals, and we hate him there too. So Jason Worth kind of gave you the double deucer. You know, he's on the Philly team in 07. And remember, 07 was his first year with Philadelphia, and he came out of nowhere that year. And he was really, really productive. Then he has a great year in 08, a great year in 09, a really good year in 2010. Then he bolts for Washington. So we ended up hating him for the Nationals too, not just the Philadelphia Phillies. But Jason Worth, I think being a guy who sort of came out of nowhere, grows the long hair and the beard. He looks just like Edge, the former WWE wrestler, and then proceeds to be really, really productive against us. Uh, in 2007, the year the Mets choked, he hit 370 against us. In 2008, the year in which we lost the tough pennant race to them, he hit 310 against us. He had some really big hits, and I think it just adds to it that he's a guy that just sort of came out of nowhere and became one of the personalities on that really good Philly team. Well, and you, you mentioned this before, too. It's like the Mets had their moment in 2006. We brought in Beltran the year before him. We started bringing in some players. We made the trade for Delgado LaDuca. And they just, the Phillies just started to like homegrown guys that came out of nowhere and they're like, how are they this good? And you're right. We did probably get jealous of some guys like the Chase Elliott of the world. I don't know if I was as jealous of Worth, but I was definitely a little upset that we didn't have whole, like Carlos Delgado, we had him in a good prime for about like two years. Right, maybe th- maybe three. Right. Ryan Howard, we had to deal with basically his whole career. Chase Ryan Howard, with, yeah, we had to deal with all these guys for their their whole career. We had drips and drabs of Carlos Delgado, of Carlos Beltran for three years. We just talked about that the other day. The, we had 
10 years of hell with all these Phillies guys. Is it weird that as we go through some of these Phillies that we hated from the mid-2000s that I actually disliked Ryan Howard the least? And I and I can't explain why. I mean, Ryan Howard had some monster seasons and hit plenty of home runs against the Mets, including game-winning home runs. I, I don't know the reason for it. Maybe it's the personality. Maybe I... I never felt like Ryan Howard was any kind of douche while Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian, was a pain in my ass. And we went through Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins and Jason Worth and all these guys, even Charlie Manuel with his fake folksy accent. I know it's not really fake, but I always thought Charlie Manuel would play dumb sometimes. Like, oh, gee golly, can you send up a pinch hitter in the NFL? I didn't know you could do that. I just couldn't stand Charlie Manuel, Santa Claus, my ass. Ryan Howard, though, I don't know if you shared this with me. Like, I respected him, and, yeah, he killed us a few times. I never developed a hatred for him the way I did the rest of his Philadelphia Philly teammates. So it's weird about Howard, um, and this is maybe the bad side of fantasy baseball. The year – this is – I. Kit, what, he came up in 2006, 2007, whatever his first year was. They they took a while to bring him up because the Phillies had acquired Jim Tomey a few years earlier. And so they really took their time in calling him up to where when Ryan Howard finally got to the major leagues in 2004, he wasn't even a full-time player. He became a full-time player in 05. He was 25 years old. He probably could have come up a few years earlier, but they had Jim Tomey on the roster. So I wasn't saying I was scouting these guys, but like, I was doing really well in fantasy baseball, and a lot of it was because of a guy named Prince Fielder and a guy named Ryan Howard. So <laughs> I, and I was like, oh, yeah, I discovered Ryan Howard. He's amazing. So he was helping my team. So in that sense, it was like, oh, yeah, I don't mind this guy. He's really a good hitter. And the Phillies in 2005, 2006, they weren't there yet. The hatred started going the next couple of years. But, again, you're right. He was quiet. He Even when he ended his career the way he – like. I was happy to see Jimmy Rollins go. I was happy to see Chase Utley get the hell out of Philly. When Ryan Howard went down with that Achilles tear, like one of his last games of his career, I was like, I felt bad for the guy. Yeah. He wasn't that dude that I could say. I could say that about a ton of other guys, but not Ryan Howard. Yeah, it's weird. Shane Victorino, I couldn't stand. The flying Hawaiian. You know, they took such issue with the Mets showing celebrations, you know, Jose Reyes dancing. Yeah, Shane Victorino, no problem. We don't mind. Show your emotion. In terms of pitchers, I think the only guy that I ever really hated was Cole Hamels. And it's really all my fault. Like, I take the blame on this. Um, Cole Hamels came on our show after, I think it was 07. I think it was it after was they won the World fault. Series in I remember. Okay, continue. I do remember this now that he came on with you guys. So we had him on. I think the only reason we had him on is because they were promoting their championship DVD. And I goaded him. Like, I'm a Met fan. So I said, Cole, the Mets are a bunch of choke artists. And he eventually agreed with me and said, yeah, they're a bunch of choke artists. And it it became a very big story, which was kind of cool at that point. And I was early on doing the Middays with Joe. So it was cool that something we did became a story. But I always knew the truth, which was, I put the words in his mouth. Like, I didn't say to Cole Hamels, what do you think of the Mets? And then he just called him choke artist. I was saying it as the passionate Mets fan that I am. Hey, we're a bunch of choke artists. And he just agreed with me. And he did repeat it, which was probably the problem. And that became kind of a big story going into the following season. And I sort of forgot that it was me. 
and just started hating him. Like I, I forgot that I goaded him and was like, yeah, go F yourself calling us choke artists. And it was my dad who reminded me and said, you know, Evan, you're, you're kind of put that in his mouth. I mean, you're mad at him now. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, go F yourself, Hamels. So that was almost a self self-fulfilling prophecy or something like that. But yeah, I couldn't stand Cole Hamels. F him. Well, yeah, because he also beat the crap. I mean, you talk about numbers that were phenomenal against the Mets. I mean, he every time he faced us, it was just another... Like, I don't remember if him ever really getting blown out. Maybe there was one game, but he just destroyed the Mets every chance he could. And I know he wasn't a lifelong Philly. I know he spent most of his career here, um, but he was just a pain. And and it was I was not upset when he left. He was very good. I mean, I remember he was so clutch in 2000. Very good. You make it sound like he was not that he would beat the shit out of us. No, 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 no. I, I. Listen, Cole Hamill's a hell of a pitcher. I mean, I'm, I'm giving him credit. What do you want me to do? I mean, I'm, I'm saying he was very, very good. He was very good. I I guess if I'm ranking those Phillies, and those are the Phillies I hate. Like, you know, I even think about the Phillies of today. Bryce Harper I hate, but I hate him mostly as a national. You know, I'm still you – know, he is becoming a Philly, no doubt, but the dislike for Bryce began before that. Uh, this current team, I guess Alec Bohm is probably the guy I can't stand the most because <laughs> – well, I feel like why out of Alec Bohm? Why? I'm gonna tell you why. I'll, t- I'll tell you the exact reason. And and by the way, you watch five years from now, you'll agree with me. Three years from now, when he's manning third base for the next decade, you're gonna can't, you're gonna hate him too. First of all, he looks like Jason Worth. That's number one. So he reminds me of that piece of you know what. So that starts right there. Number two, when he had that horrible defensive game against the Mets uh, early in 2022 right? Earlier last year, this year, however you want to define it. And he was caught saying, I hate this place. And then he acknowledged it and he apologized. He started loving him and he started producing and he started making the plays at third base. And I don't know why that annoys me. It feels like the Mets started it. It feels like we brought him back into the good graces of the Philadelphia Philly fan. I acknowledge this is irrational. I'm just telling you that of all the Phillies right now, the guy I dislike the most is Alec Bohm. That's my guy. I, I'm listen. Bryce Harper is gonna agitate me no matter what because even when he was a national, he agitated me. Uh, but if it's somebody else, it's gonna be Castellanos. I just because I think he's someone that I wanted on the Mets for a while. Schwarber he, then? Oh, Schwarber! Too. I didn't really want Schwarber as much as I wanted Castellanos. I know. I know you're more of a Schwarber guy. I'm more of a Castellanos guy, and I just see him starting to get back into rhythm. We saw that towards the end of the season. He's, he's going to have a better season, and I feel like he's going to be a thorn for the next couple of seasons against I, us. I think that what I'm about to say will eventually end real soon, but it is sort of remarkable that New York versus Philly in every sport has featured almost every combination of a playoff series. The Islanders and Flyers have played in the playoffs numerous times, including the Stanley Cup final back in eighty. The Rangers and Flyers have played 11 times in the playoffs. The Devils and Flyers have played seven times. The Knicks and Sixers, it's been a while, but they've played in the playoffs. The Nets and Sixers, a couple of series that are important in history. Uh, 2019, and obviously they upset the Sixers when they were the defending champions. The Yankees played the Phillies in the World Series twice. The Giants and the Eagles, we all know. It's amazing that the Mets and the Phillies have never played. You know, especially since 95 with the advent of 
of the wild card. It feels inevitable with the way the Phillies spend money, with the way the Mets spend money, with the format in baseball, that that day is coming. And it's coming real soon. And it should have been this year, right? You Mets win the division. It would have been Mets-Phillies. It turned out not to happen. So I will make you this prediction, Pete. We're getting Mets-Phillies. This Foo-Philly edition of Rico Bronia may have to be rekindled in a few months because it's inevitable. Whether it's a wild card series or a divisional series or for the entire National League pennant, I can't predict that. But I stand here today before you making this proclamation. For the first time in their franchise's history, the New York Mets and the Philadelphia Phillies will meet in the 2023 postseason. And we will be nervous and we will freak out. And you bet your ass, I will invade that stadium like DX on Monday Nitro back in 1998. You don't have to get that reference, Pete. 5% of the audience does, and they (laughs) smell what I'm cooking. So Foo Philly. Foo Philly today, Foo Philly tomorrow, Foo Philly Saturday night at the link. And for the 13 times that the Mets and Phillies play during the regular season, we'll do a Rico about why it's only 13 times. We're going to Foo Philly all season long. Because the one bond we all have as New Yorkers is our dislike and our hatred for those south of us off of I-95. Good luck to the New York Giants on Saturday night. We'll have another Rico Bronia posted late Sunday night into Monday morning. And always check your downloads because we got new Ricos popping up like freaking pimples. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia, the Foo Philly edition. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.